listeners, and welcome back to another wonderful episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by two incredible guests today. So excited to have them on today. We are joined by the director, creator, and lifelong friend, David Sabella, and the performer, Amanda Reckonwith who are a part of the show Amanda Reckon With in Residential Care, a new residency at Pangea here in NYC at 178 Second Avenue. You can catch the show on the third Saturday of every month starting April 15th at 7 p.m. And you can get tickets and more information by visiting PangeaNYC.com or AmandaReckonWith.com. But we'll get to all of that in a moment. First, let's welcome in our guests, David Sabella and Amanda Reckonwith. Hello, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hi, thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us, darling. I am honored to have both of you here. Thank you so much. I'm excited about this new show, Amanda Reckonwith in Residential Care. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about it. Maybe, David, since you're the lifelong friend, um, most of the creator, can you tell us a bit about this show? Well, I coaxed Amanda out of retirement after she did this one performance last year with Liberace. You know, Liberace's really not dead. He's 103 and still working. So he he was very instrumental. And I'll let I'll let Amanda tell you about that. He was instrumental in bringing her back to New York to do this show last year for Gay Pride. And with the minute we reconnected, I thought, well, you have to do this more. And it's been a great whirlwind ever since then. Wonderful. And Amanda, why don't I bring you on now? Where did you come up with the idea for the show itself? Oh, darling, I've been performing for generations of time, you know, but I, I again, you're right, like David said, I have to, I have to thank my dear friend, Lee Liberace. You know, he was very instrumental in my early career as a lyric coloratura soprano. Lee had me on his television program many, many, many times. In fact, I hold the record for the most appearances by any singer on a single television program, 77 times. And well, he introduced me to the entire world and he did it again just last June, you know, just last June. Lee came to visit me at the hospital vacation resort where I was staying. And before I knew it, we were surreptitiously whisking away in his getaway Cadillac, 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 yes. And and we made it all the way up to New York, you know, and, and we did a lovely performance at the Triad Theater, which was just glorious. Well, ever since then, I've been on the run. I mean, I've been doing a run of shows. Um, we did a lovely run of shows at the Pancetta, uh, Pan- Pangea, Pangea, which is a lovely little theater down on the Lower East Side. I call it the Cafe Carlisle of the Lower East Side. I'm the only one who calls it that. But we'd love, we'd love for everyone to call it the Cafe Carlisle of the Lower East Side. Well, that, that, of course, reintroduced me to my dear friend and comrade, the maestro Marco Carajuomo. And the whole idea culminated when all three of us, the maestro and Liberace and I, well, we finally made it across the border to Mexico. And we did an entire season of shows, which of course gave me plenty of time to get a whole new set of finger, a little nip and tuck, really. And so I'm able to come back into the States and sing for you all now. 
absolutely free and clear of all charges. I mean, uh, happy to be here. And it's just a lovely time here at the Panchetta. Uh, Pangea, Pangea. That is quite the journey and what a story. Let me go back to David for a minute and ask, you know, putting the show together, getting it on its feet, what has it been like developing it? Well, Amanda is multi-talented, of course. And so, you know, we just bounce ideas off of each other. I have to say, she just starts talking and I put on the voice memo recorder and listen to what she says. And that probably winds up in the script, you know. And as far as songs and, you know, well, Amanda, I mean, I guess we would say that, you know, she's she's a woman of a certain age, right? Wouldn't you agree? Of course, darling. Yes, of course. But as as a woman of a certain age, you know, I I feel that it's important to sing everything I can. Well, still can and and do so with the greatest diploma of voice possible. Yes, then she does. Of course, she does. But we do, you know, we put together uh, American standards, Broadway, even pop tunes. We're mashing together things like, you know, Lady Gaga and Flower Drum Song, believe it or not. You know, it's really fun to like bring it into, uh, to bring Amanda into a more contemporary audience. Yeah. I love that. <clears throat> I want to ask the both of you, what is the message or thought you're hoping the audiences will take away from the show? And let me ask Amanda that first. Yes, I can. I was going to jump right in. I really was. You know, the most important thing I think it's very, very important is that everyone have the permission to be themselves completely, authentically, be yourself on purpose in public all the time. And so when you come to my shows, I want it to be a celebration of who you are. If you can see a little bit of the diva inside you, well, that's just wonderful because there's a diva inside all of us, you know. We just have to let her out from time to time. Yes. Uh, David, was there anything you wanted to add to that or, or may, did she just hit it right on the spot? I'm, I'm totally amazed at her answer, but that's fantastic. Yes, I think I think as we talk about the repertoire for these shows, you know, we are conscious of making it a celebration. And especially now, you know, there's this assault on uh, on divas these days, you know, with the Tennessee legislature banning divas in public. We have to uh, we have to resist against this because if you want to be a diva, you should be a diva on purpose in public in front of everyone. That's fine. Yes. Say it again for the people in the back. Amen and testify. If I may ask, how long have the two of you been friends? I mean, I know that you said lifelong. Oh, darling. No, no, no. I've known him since the day he was born, darling. I've not, and we're very, very, very good friends. I watched him come right out of the womb. It's just lovely. I was good friends with his mother too long before he was born. But let me ask, when did you make your stage debut, Amanda, here in New York? Oh, darling, well, I've been performing since, since 1987. You know, I made my first appearance with an opera company called La Grande Chena. Do you know La Grande Chena, darling? Yes, a lovely, lovely opera company. Iris Sif and the company of La Grande Chena, they are for opera with the ballet Trocaderos is for ballet. You know, so we would perform all over Europe, 20 weeks a year, five years in a row that I worked with them. And I sang roles with them like Aida and Butterfly and Lachme. And it was just lovely. I love those roles so much, you know, but, you know, after the children came, the voice darkened and matured. And well, I, I found that my voice had become more suited to roles of a mezzo-soprano nature. And well, you know, we all know what 
the definition of mezzo-soprano is, don't you? It, it literally means half a soprano, you know. And in my case, well, we all know what the other half is. So I left the Grand Chena in, in search of, of other, other opportunities and found myself right on Broadway in the cast of Chicago in the 1996 revival with B.B. Newworth and Anne Ranking and Joel and, and Marsha and, and Jimmy. It was just a wonderful, wonderful time. I did that show for many, many years. And then, of course, you know, I had a small, unfortunate incident and I left the business for a while. But, but now I'm very happy to be back. Yes, and you're back. You're at the Pangea here in New York. Pangea, yes. The Cafe Carlisle of the Lower East Side. Uh, of course, the Cafe Carlisle with your new show, in Amanda Reckon With in Residential Care. And the last question I wanted to ask in our first part of the interview was, who do you hope have access to the show? I'm going to stay with you first, Amanda, on this, and then I'll pop over to David. Well, I first, I want to address the title of the show, In Residential Care. You know, after the first, well, after the last few years I've had, I wasn't sure that I wanted to be in residential care anywhere else really but but Stephen and Arnaldo at the pancetta pancia they assure me that that after each performance i can go home so i'm giving it a whirl i'm giving it a try and well let's see how it goes you know um but who who should come to see the show darling let us celebrate let us celebrate coming out of the, the pandemic and let us celebrate life and love and let us all come together. The show is very family friendly, uh, very child friendly, I would say. You know, people often say to me, Amanda, you, you can be so blue. And I don't even know what that means. I, I, I'm not blue at all. My shows are not blue. No, my audiences are blue sometimes they, they they fill in the blanks let's say but i say nothing 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 that that would offend a small child of say five or six you know it's like watching bugs bunny you know when you watch watch bugs bunny the children get an entirely different experience of it than their parents do years later and i well just call me the bugs bunny of uh, of of alternative performance i love that Dave, yes. is there anything you would love to add regarding who you'd like to have access to the show? Well, I want everybody to come. <laughs> who has access? You know, access. Well, let's say this. I want to. I want to. I want to address the accessible nature. Pangea is accessible. There is a small, a very couple of steps into Pangea. I will say that you know, as far as accessibility goes, for those people who need that, but there are only like two or three steps to come down into the main restaurant and one step into the cabaret theater. So, and I don't know if they do have like accessibility ramps or whatever. I, I'm not sure of that, to be honest, but I do think it is possible. I think I want, I think kids, uh, not kids, kids, but like, you know, the millennials, the millennials need to come see this show. Amanda, as a character, speaks to not only the baby boomers, the people who are in my age range, right, but also the millennials and the Gen Xers and the Gen Zers, because she's going through what a lot of the boomers are going through with how to talk about society today. Wouldn't you say that's right, darling? Of course, but I, I trust your judgment on that. You know, what happens is that Amanda has, has, has been sequestered for the last 20 or so years. And so a lot has changed in society that we're still trying to bring her up to speed 
on things you can and cannot say, the whole sort of gender fluidity type of non-binary type of experience. You know, she's not entirely uh, up on that, but we're getting there. We're getting there, and she's she's learning how to how to deal with that. And you know, shh, don't tell her, but it's a hell of a lot of fun trying to her trying to watch her figure it out. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of fun <laughs> on stage and off because every night there's something. I'm like, Jesus Christ, let's hold on to our seats here and see what happens. But she's a lot of fun and she's willing, you know. And so the Gen Xers and the and the millennials, they see a woman of her age really trying to get it and really trying to grab onto the new decorum, right? The new social norms. And She's not always successful, but she's always sincere. She always really wants to get it. And then the boomers and the people who are my age, they're right there with her. They're like, oh, I'm going through the same struggle, you know? So it is the thing that kind of brings us together is that no matter how old you are, you are dealing with a new reality after the pandemic, after social injustice issues have have come up, you know, through the years, through these last couple of years, we're dealing with not only issues of quote unquote drag, right? But but gender norms and all that. And we're all dealing with that. And we're all dealing with it in a new way. And we need to come to terms with how we all talk about it, right? So that the young generations can talk to the older generations, the millennials can talk to the boomers, etc. And we all come to a place of understanding. So if there's a message of the show, it's like, hey, we're all in this together. So let's move forward together. Let's find the language together and let's have fun getting there. There's nothing wrong with people making mistakes. You know, I'm a very sort of gender fluid person in my life. You can't see me now, but I have rather long colored nails, you know, painted nails. And I I look down at my nails someday and I go, yeah, not today. I don't want to do it today. You get to change your mind. You get to be who you want to be every single day on purpose in public. And it doesn't have to be the same person you were yesterday. And it's not going to be the same person you might be tomorrow. You get to make that decision. You get to make mistakes. You get to decide. And it's all a beautiful experiment in authenticity. And that, I just I just said it for the first time right? That you just, you asked me a question. I've never answered it like this. That's what the show is. It's a beautiful experiment in authenticity. I want to change things up now and let our listeners get to know the two of you on a personal level a little bit more. And I want to start by asking. Goodness, that sounds terribly dangerous. (laughs) I want to start by asking what inspires you? What composers, playwrights, shows inspire you or, or some of your favorites? And David, if I could start with you on that one. Sure. I have had, I'll say, four or five major inspirations in my life. Of course, I have to say my mom, right? My mom was a singer. My brother, Ernie Sabella, who you may know is the Disney legend that he is. He's the voice of Pumbaa in all of the cartoons and movies of The Lion King. The movies, the cartoons, the plush toys. If you've heard the voice of Pumbaa, you've heard my brother, Ernie. Ernie was also on Broadway many, many years in in 30 or more 
productions. And he was in Chicago. He was Joel Gray's first replacement. So we actually got to do the show together, he and I, for a couple of years, which was great. So he's a big inspiration for me. He's a little bit older than me. And I remember the first, one of my first or earliest memories is hearing my brother in the garage singing the impossible dream at the top of his lungs so it was a big booming sound and a big you know reverberant room right and it was kind of amazing right and then my dear dear voice teacher my own voice teacher who passed away just this last year her name was marie traficante and i went i went to college i had my first vocal tech class and I sang two different arias and she looked up from her little pad with her half-rimmed glasses and she's like, mm-hmm. So are you, you're a new student here, right? And I said, yes, I am. She goes, do you have a voice teacher? And I said, no, ma'am, I don't. She goes, you do now. And I studied with her for 30 years and I studied with her through being a tenor, through being a counter tenor, through doing everything I've ever done. And she remained one of my biggest champions and greatest inspirations. Everything I do as a teacher, I use what she taught me every single day. So she's with me every single day. Another inspiration of mine was the great Luciano Pavarotti, who who singled me out during my uh, audition for him in the Luciano Pavarotti International Voice Competition. It's a whole long story, I won't get into it, but he he literally singled me out and bestowed on me kind of a career blessing, said that what I was doing was excellent, not good, excellent, and kind of launched my entire career as a classical singer, which was amazing. And then another person who I will say is the late and great Anne Ranking. When we were doing Chicago together in the beginning of the rehearsal process was just so gracious. I'm not a dancer at all you know, but she gave me room to experiment and to quote unquote dance. Like I was in the, the number, the gun, you know, and I had to sort of somehow dance with all of them. And I kind of made it up on the spot. And she came up to me, she went, that's perfect. Keep doing that. She goes, you're a dancer. Don't forget it. I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, when someone like Luciano Pavarotti says, you can sing, and someone like Anne Ranking says, you can dance, you kind of come away going, okay, who am I to disagree? You know, so they they remain big inspirations for me. And I, I guess I have to say my children, I don't know if I, am I inspired by my children? I'm inspired to be a better person by my children. Let's say that. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't always work, but I try. <laughs> that is an amazing list. That is an amazing list. Thanks. Amanda, what inspires you? Well, I have to say that first and foremost, I'm inspired by my dear friend right next to me here, David Sabella. You know, he's such such an inspiration for me and and such a friend in bringing me out of retirement. I, I could have been locked in mothballs, you know. I could have just been locked away in a room in my chat. Well, we won't get into it. But anyway, uh, it's it's so wonderful to be here again. And of course, my dear friend, Lee Liberace, who inspires me every day. He's a master at what he does. And the great maestro Marco Carajuomo, another great inspiration. And my vocal inspirations, I must say, you know, um, well, the great Maria Callas, you know, such a one, and Renata Scotto, such a wonderful 
instrument and communicative and so lovely. And, and then there's Elaine Stritch, you know, of whom one might say didn't have the best instrument in the world, you know, but, but could do so, so much with it and did. It did really. And, and then there's other people of maybe slightly lesser stature, you know, but just as remarkable. There's this young girl, who is she? This Kelly, 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 oh, Kelly O'Hara. This Kelly, a mar remarkable young singer she is, really. You must have heard of her, on, but remarkable young singer. She does very well with what she's got. I will say that. She does very well with what she's got. And um, who's the other one? Oh, yes, the lovely Audra, Audra McDonald. Of course, darling, well, she's lovely, lovely woman, really. I've worked with a lot of wonderful people. Of course, I've worked with Mary Lou Henna. And what can I say of Mary Lou Henna? Uh, it hasn't already been said. Uh, she's a lovely woman. She really is. She's, and she throws a damn good party. She really does, you know. And I worked with Nana Visitor. You remember Nana Visitor from that, that program, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine? Yes, she, she came into Chicago and she did Roxy Hart. And I think it's safe to say she went where no Roxy had ever gone before. She was very good, very good. Yes. Just, the list goes on and on, but I won't bore you. Uh, that's a wonderful list, though. I, I think it's fantastic as well. I want to ask this next question. I think it's going to be more adept for David, I think, with Amanda. You you have been away for a little while, but uh, David, have you seen any great theater lately that you might recommend to our listeners? I would love to recommend a lot of great theater. I have not been able to see a lot because my life, other than working with Amanda recently, has been raising kids. <laughs> I've been out of the business for the better part of the last 15 years raising my kids, who are now 20 and 16, so I can, I can do a little more. The last thing I saw, well, it's not, it's not on Broadway anymore, but I did see Company, and Company was brilliant. And I love where Broadway is going in this sort of let's let's change it up gender wise, let's change it up, of course, ethnic race wise, that that's a, a no brainer, right? But I love this turn of changing it up gender wise, you know, because why not? Why not an, an all female cast of 1776? Why not? You know, why not an all male cast of little women? Hey, why not? You know, so anything about that, I'm all about that. I would love to see that, you know, that would bring us if we if we did, let's say, an all all male music man, let's say, or even if we had a male performer in the role of Marion, the librarian, like when Leroy Reams did Dolly, Leroy Reams played Dolly. Oh. So great. That's great because it's a character. Any actor should be able to play that character, right? And so I'm all for that. Maybe that'll be a different, that, that's the answer to another question we haven't gotten to yet. So shows that I would recommend, I would love to see. Here's what I'm dying to see. I'm dying to see Some Like It Hot. Dying to see it. Yes. I also will definitely see Leah Michelle in Funny Girl before September. I have to see that. You know, there's certain things. It's a very exciting time on Broadway. Yeah. It's a really exciting time for what is happening with all of the gender non-conforming casting, right? And color conscious casting. I like that better than color blind. I think you're color conscious and you're gender conscious, right? Because there's no reason why 
a male can't play that female role in certain circumstances and vice versa. I think that's fine. Well, let me ask you a question that I'm very interested in for both of you, which is, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? And David, if I can go and stick with you first on this. My favorite part about working in the theater, the being on stage, the actual being on stage. When you get a job in theater, it's called a play, right? Because that's not the work of it. The work of it is everything else that has to do with getting to the stage. The rehearsals are fun. The performances are fun right? The auditions are not fun. The self-promotion is not fun. The, you know, the constant grind of having to put yourself out there is not fun, but it's what you have to do to have the blessing of being in a room with people, rehearsing a play or a musical, and then getting to do that on stage. That is the blessing of it. Yes. Amanda, what about you? What is your favorite part about working in the theater? Well, darling, what is not to love? What, what is not to love? I don't understand what David is talking What does this self promotion have to do? Well, I don't have a publicist. Oh, darling, that's cute. Yeah, I, I just, I show up where they tell me to show up and I, I just sing. I love to sing, darling. And it's just beautiful to... I'm just so happy for all of you that you get to experience it, really. I love that. <laughs> well, that is a perfect lead into my favorite question to ask, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? Oh, I'll go first. I have been asked this a lot, so I asked this, this answer that I've rehearsed, but it's amazing. It's one of my greatest memories ever. That would have to be the opening night of Chicago at City Center Encores before Broadway, the very, very first public performance of Chicago. And I was on the third floor in my dressing room, finishing my makeup, putting on my shoes, getting ready to, you know, I'm not on for like 40 minutes into the show. So I'm just hanging out in my dressing room. And right after all that jazz, the monitor breaks, <laughs> complete static, totally broken. And I'm thinking, all right, it's an old building. It's, you know, it's city center. It's, it's a short in the wire. It's going to clear up, right? And it doesn't. And it keeps going <sighs> static. And then I'm thinking, okay, somebody, maybe somebody changed the channel, right? But they're going to, they're going to find out and it's going to come right back. Like three minutes later, it still hadn't fixed and it was still static. And I thought, well, I have to go downstairs until stage management that my monitor is broken. So I start downstairs, three flights of stairs, and that's when I notice that it's not just my monitor, it's every monitor in the building had gone complete static. And so now I'm nervous because it would have been like three minutes, but I'm thinking, I don't really know where we are in the show. I don't know what's going on. I better get down on the deck and just stay close. So I go backstage right, and all the monitors are still static. And there's Joel Gray and Jimmy Naughton standing backstage, right? And I think, why hasn't Joel gone on for Funny Honey? He should be on stage already. What happened? So I'm thinking, this is an emergency. Something, something happened, right? And I get close to them, which is near 
you know, the first leg, like close to the audience, you know, perception. And that's when I realized that it wasn't the monitors. The monitors had not broken. It was ovations of rip roaring foot stomping applause. The whole theater was rumbling and it overloaded the monitors. And it went on and on for six minutes after all that jazz. And BB was frozen and, and everyone stayed frozen. And finally, after six minutes, they broke. And I, Joel Gray looked at me, he said, hmm, I wonder what show they're seeing. Because we had no idea what the show would be. You know, we think, ah, oh, we're doing this cute thing for four performances. And from that moment on, you realized, oh, oh no, this is tapping into something that is kind of major. And none of us had any idea that that would be the case. And it just got bigger. That night, the applause got bigger and bigger after every number. I actually got applause on my entrance before I said a thing, like it was crazy. So it was the beginning of the mega hit and nobody knew it, yeah. That is incredible, oh my gosh, that is amazing. Yeah, I wish I could have been there to like witness that because I've been in shows where, you know, someone enters or whatever and there's a long applause, but six minutes. Wow. Six minutes. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah, it was. Amanda, what is your favorite theater memory? Well, darling, I have to say, it, I do remember very, very distinctly uh, working, as I said, with La Grande Chena and I had been asked to sing the role of Aida. And it was one of my first times singing Aida. I was quite young at the time. And someone said to me before I went out on stage, they said, don't look at the first row. And I said, why not? They said, just don't, don't look at the first row. And of course, you know, when someone says, don't look at the first row, what's the first thing you do? You look at the first row. Right? <laughs> and in the first row with hands clasped, as if she were praying with her fingers touching her chin and smiling up at me with the most gracious smile was the one and only Leontine Price, who of course was preeminent Aida of our time. And I sang the role of Aida in front of Leontine Price sitting in the first row. And it is a memory I shall never forget. And she was just so gracious, so loving, came up to me, of course, after the performance and loved what I did. And, you know, again, there are a few people in life when that happens, what well, it shapes you. It, it reminds you of who you are, who you're meant to be. You know, that's a very good. That's a very good thing to say, Amanda, because I think for both of us, if I could speak for you for a minute, Amanda, I think now I am doing what I am meant to be doing on this planet. I think that working with Amanda, having these shows, I, I feel like this is what I was put on the planet to do. And it's very specific and it's very, <laughs> it can be schizophrenic, but it's very specific and that's important. It's important that everyone have the courage to do what they were put on the planet to do. Because everyone was put on the planet to do something very specific. Right, I believe that. 
what I do too. Yeah, of course, you know, I'm a great believer in the great beyond. Sometimes I visit it myself. But anyway, I think everyone, everyone has a something that their soul came to this planet to do. And unless you're very careful, you can get derailed. And you can get derailed with things that are very, very fulfilling and very, very loving, and you, you have a great life. But somehow you realize in midlife you lost the thread of what it was you were put here to do. And for me, it's doing, it's doing this. It's working with Amanda on these shows and allowing her to express herself and allowing myself to express myself in all these ways that are new for me in emerging. And for the first time, I feel like I'm somehow right in the flow of the river, like right there. I love that. Is that it, darling? Yes, I think I'm done now. All right. <laughs> Thank you both for those two amazing memories. Those were incredible. And then those powerful words, those were amazing. I appreciate well, You're very, there, very welcome. <laughs> are there any other projects or productions that you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug? Oh, absolutely. So between the two of us, Amanda and I are very, very busy. Amanda has the residency at Pangea, again, starting this Saturday, the 15th. I fly out the next day and go to London with Mark Hartman, who is my music director and one of my best friends. And we go to London and we're doing two shows at the Pheasantry in Chelsea in London. And this is the Razzle Dazzle of Chicago, which is my solo show. And then in June, is it June, Amanda, that you're going to Davenport's? I believe it is in June for, to celebrate the gay pride in, in Chicago. So she's got a performance at Davenport's in addition to these monthly appearances. And then I think we're going to be starting some sort of a show. I'm not sure what yet. We haven't gotten all the details with Liberace at a small club or bar here in Manhattan. And I don't really have all the details about that yet, to be honest. And what else am I missing? Am I forgetting anything else? Oh, oh, uh, we may be in Provincetown over the summer. Uh, we're waiting to hear about an appearance in Provincetown. And of course, uh, next season, we go back to PV, to Puerto Vallarta, to do a season in, in Puerto Vallarta, which is a marvelous place to work. I must say, I loved it. In, they do such good work there. My chin has never looked better. <laughs> well, the, you have a very busy season ahead. And I think that makes a perfect time to ask my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about Amanda Reckonwith in residential care, or they want to get more information about either of you, maybe they want to reach out to you. How can they do that? Oh, I can tell you, I can tell you, I can tell you. I have a brand website. It's amandareckonwith.com, and Reckon has a C, R-E-C-K-O-N. So amandareckonwith.com. And there's all the information there that you could want on me. And even David is my director. He's listed there on the website. And Marco Carajuovo is there, of course. And we, oh, I'm so excited. We're launching, just this week, we're launching new merchandise. We're launching merch, darling. You know you've made it when you've got merch. I've got very inspirational t-shirts and inspirational coffee mugs and inspirational makeup bags and compact mirrors and things like that. And I'm just so excited about all of this because I want everyone, I want everyone to be their most authentic self on purpose in public all the time. And sometimes we need a few reminders. 
When you pick up your makeup bag, wouldn't it be wonderful for your makeup bag to say, darling, the secret is you already look fabulous. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that marvelous? I want everyone to have a wonderful experience of themselves being themselves every day, all day. I love that. Amanda, David, this has been so much fun and such an honor to speak with you, truly. It's been a dream come true. So thank you both for joining me and sharing your wonderful stories and this incredible show you have coming up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much, darling. My guests today have been the director and creator, as well as a lifelong friend, David Sabella, and the amazing, incomparable performer, Amanda Reckonwith, who spoke to me today about the their upcoming show, Amanda Reckonwith in Residential Care, a new residency at Pangea here in New York City at 178 Second Avenue. This will be happening the third Saturday of every month, starting April 15th at 7 p.m. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting PangeaNYC.com or amandareckonwith.com. And you should definitely visit Amanda's website because there will be lots of information about their upcoming projects and productions all over the world, as well as their incredible new merchandise. Check out some of that inspiring and fabulous merchandise that'll go to supporting a wonderful performer. But make sure you join us here at Stage Whisper down at Pangea on the third Saturday of every month to check out Amanda Reckonwith in residential care. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. Shh, in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. <laughs>